Hi everyone, it's AK. So I was actually listening to uh, my governor, Governor Holcomb, and his press conference. He actually went to Monday, Wednesday, Friday instead of every day. And in the middle of watching it, I got a notification that President Trump was giving a speech. So I was multi-listening, if that's a thing. And I just got so heated that I had to mute Governor Holcomb's speech. So apparently over the last few days, or maybe longer than that, I noticed that the United States was talking about its relationship with Hong Kong and the special status that it has. Okay, so real quick, history lesson. Hong Kong is a, it's a special administrative region in China. It enjoys autonomy. They have their own language. They have their own currency, their own government. This is because the end of the Opium Wars in 19, I'm sorry, not 19, 1898, um, Britain signed a, I guess you could say like a 99 year lease to keep Hong Kong under British rule and they would give it back after the 99 years. So this happened because the British, mainly British people were importing opium to China, knowing that it would get people hooked on drugs. And when the Chinese realized what was happening, they were like, oh, no, no, we have to stop this. Our people are getting hooked on opium. This is crazy. And so they started to resist the British forcing the opium on them. And of course, war broke out. Basically, one of the concessions for the end of the war was that the Chinese were required to give the British Hong Kong. Hong Kong was actually a major um, hub that you could use for ships and whatnot. So the British took that and in 1997 is when they officially gave it back to Chinese authority or under Chinese rule. Part of the agreement was that China, mainland China, would acknowledge and allow Hong Kong's autonomy, independence for at least 50 years, which would end in 2049. So until then, there was not supposed to be any discussion about China and relationship with Hong Kong. They're doing their own thing. The declaration was signed. It was the Sino-British Joint Declaration, I think is what it was called. Um, it was it was in place. Here's Hong Kong. You know, keep in mind what we've got going on. And that's that. So in recent years, um, China has felt some type of way towards Hong Kong as to be expected because they enjoy, you know, the special status. And from what I was reading and listening to over the past couple of days, apparently, and this was in President Trump's speech, and it really, really has me upset, the United States is stripping Hong Kong of its special status regarding United States. Since Hong Kong is semi-autonomous, the relationship we have with them is different from China. And Hong Kong also has a democratic form of government. So basically, when we would do business with Hong Kong and China, it's completely separate because of the form of government and the economy that they have. So apparently, what the president and the secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, have decided to do, well, I mean, I guess with the approval of X, Y, and Z or whatever hoops they have to jump through to get it, they have decided to strip Hong Kong of its special status. I find that very problematic because from what I got from the speech... It was basically punishing Hong Kong for what China did. China has been trying to get 
get Hong Kong back basically under their control before the 50 years is up. So Beijing, capital of China, they're the ones screwing up this deal because that was not part of the deal. Part of the deal was leave Hong Kong alone for 50 years and then you guys can revisit whatever the issue is. So if you probably heard about the protests that's been happening the past couple months as well, probably past year at this point with Hong Kong and China. So it's very problematic to me because why are you punishing Hong Kong for China's violation of the joint declaration? I don't understand it. So I was watching the, the press conference and basically Hong Kong is going to be stripped of the special status that it has with the United States. And that means that it's no longer considered semi-autonomous because of the Chinese basically invading Hong Kong, so to speak. So we're not going to treat Hong Kong as a separate entity from China. And that's really, really like a hot mess because Hong Kong is one of the financial hubs in the world, partially because of its form of government and its economy. The United States does a lot of business with Hong Kong, not China, Hong Kong it's specifically. So not only is this destroying the status of Hong Kong with the United States, China's happy about this. Beijing is excited about this because if the United States distances themselves or refuses to acknowledge the sovereignty of Hong Kong, that means that China, Beijing can literally do whatever they want and no one's going to stop them. And I don't know if the president, I don't, I'm really bothered by this because I, I know that they're not politicians, but my thing is you can read and comprehend, right? Well, <laughs> maybe not. But the thing is, have you read the, jo the joint declaration? Have you read it? Have you seen the agreement that the British have had with the Chinese since the 1800s, the late 1800s? Have you seen this? Have you seen that Hong Kong is not doing anything wrong? Hong Kong is having their rights oppressed due to the Chinese. So basically they're saying that Hong Kong isn't considered safe because of what China is doing. So we're going to strip Hong Kong of its special status with the United States, you know, special trading status, travel status and whatnot with the United States because it's not safe. We're not going to consider them semi-autonomous anymore because of what Beijing is doing. And I'm reading this and I'm watching this and I'm like, are you kidding me? So I've had to look up different articles to make sure, you know, this isn't fake news. Of course, it's coming out of the president's mouth, but you know, it is what it is. And so I'm like, do these people not understand what that means? I know the people of Hong Kong are probably furious because when the United States backs something, it happens. The United States is the most influential country in the world. So let's face it, what the United States says goes. So if the United States is declaring they're going to strip Hong Kong of their status. That means that Hong Kong is screwed. If the United States will not recognize the sovereignty and semi-autonomy of Hong Kong, guess what? Beijing can go in and take over, screw the, um, the treaty the resolution that said, you know, leave them alone for 50 years, screw that because the United States, the United States says, oh, we're not going to, you know, acknowledge them. We're not going to re respect their autonomy and this, this, and this because of what Beijing is doing. So I don't understand this concept. I mean, if you're listening and you can somehow explain it to me, please reach out to me on here or Twitter, AK17033, because I'm just not understanding how that makes sense. Hong Kong doesn't need to be punished. They need our help. They need our help to fight against Beijing and what they are doing. Not to be punished. Hong Kong is not doing anything wrong. 
So I don't understand why this is even up for discussion. I don't understand. I mean, is it because, you know, the president has a good relationship with President Xi? Like, I don't I don't understand. Of course, this is making Beijing happy. Of course it is. Because when they were when Hong Kong was returned, part of it was, you know, one China, two systems. So Hong Kong is part of China geographically. But when it comes to, again, declaration, government, currency, all of that, Hong Kong, they don't even speak Mandarin. They speak Cantonese. That's how different they speak Cantonese. They have their own government. They have their own currency. They are own, basically China in name only. When you think of Hong Kong, where is it at? Oh, it's in China. Oh, they're Chinese. No, no, no. They're, it's Hong Kong. So they're literally that separate from China, from PRC China, People's Republic of China. So I just don't understand why this even why this is even happening right now. And it's like it's a slap in the face, really, to the people of Hong Kong, because since the probably early 1900s or so, the United States has always looked out for Hong Kong. And especially when the British uh, went ahead and gave it back over to the Chinese, the United States was keeping a close eye on it, partially to make sure, you know, the Chinese government is doing what they said they would do, which they they were until recent years. And the problem is because we have a president and an administration for the most part that has no idea about anything Beijing is able to get away with a lot of stuff. Actually, countries around the world are able to get get away with a lot of stuff, especially of stuff that's been, you know, over 100 years in the making. There's treaties, there's declarations, there's agreements, all these kinds of things that have happened. But if you don't know anything about anything, you can't make judgment on that. They're not looking at the document and the history, the opium wars from back in the late 1800s. They're not looking at that information, the treaty, the promise, the agreement, all that kind of stuff that is supposed to be in place until 2049 at least. They're just looking at Beijing is trying to take over Hong Kong, reclaim Hong Kong as their own, get rid of their autonomy, their currency, everything. They're trying to incorporate Hong Kong into the Chinese government, into China. They want to make Hong Kong a part of China and get rid of their special administrative status. So again, with the United States doing this, It's kind of like a win for Beijing because the Hong Kong does not have an ally. If the United States is no longer their ally, they are screwed. The people of Hong Hong Kong are screwed and it's really messed up because they did not do anything wrong. Nothing at all. They are just trying to be, they're trying to live their life. You know, they thought, okay, we're protected because the the joint declaration that was passed with the Chinese and the British, this is what we're doing for the next 50 years. We're going to be cool. They can't touch us, you know, whatever. And of course, that's not what's happening. And Hong Kong no longer has that ally, which is the United States. And I'm really upset about that because first of all, it's already screwed up. The fact that the opium wars happened in the first place, you're drugging up these Chinese people and then get mad, but they want to stop the drug trade. And then you have the nerve to steal Hong Kong from them in the first place. (laughs) And then you finally give it back to them, you know, and 25 years later, this is what happens. Like it's really screwed up when it comes to history in general. But I'm just really upset about this fact because what was the point? What was the point in any of this? But I, I'm pretty sure that because of our current, the United States current political situation, that Beijing is doing this because they know they can get away with it. Because there is nobody in power at this point in the United States government that can say, hey, I know what's going on. You need to stop this foolishness and leave Hong Kong alone. Instead, the reaction is to punish Hong Kong and say, well, we no longer you we no longer consider you semi autonomous because Beijing is infiltrating you guys because China is taking over you guys. So it's not safe anymore. Really? 
so I just, I am <laughs> really heated about this. Sorry. But I just don't understand why this is even, a, why this is even up for grabs. Why is this a discussion? So it's like, what, what do the Hong Kong, the people of Hong Kong do? What do they do? And it's like, if the United States won't help them, what can be done? And it's like, it, the British could try to come in and, and help or whatever. But at the end of the day, if the United States is not recognizing their status, they're basically going to dump them in with Beijing, China. There's nothing that can be done. Nobody can do anything to help these people. And it's going to screw up a lot of stuff because, again, Hong Kong is a very you know, successful financial hub with the United States and other places around the world because of their special status, because they are separate from China. But if we're going to now say they're no longer semi-autonomous, they're going to be a part of China. Well, then what does that mean with all the business dealings? What does that mean with anything? It's going to screw up so much stuff. And it's not fair to the people of Hong Kong because, I mean, what do they do? You know, they're sorry they got taken over by the British 200 years ago. And now they're trying to, you know, regain their freedom. Like, it's just, I don't know. And it's, it's just really, I couldn't imagine being a person from Hong Kong right now. Like, I would just be so upset. I wouldn't even know what to do with my life. Like, I just, I mean, I'd probably try to leave. But then where would I go, right? You know, where are you from, Hong Kong? Oh, well, no, you're just Chinese. You, you don't count. You're not, you're not special anymore. We don't consider you to be semi-autonomous, which is crazy because, again, that declaration said for 50 years but it is what it is so I turned off Holcomb because I I got like caught up into that that little mini speech he had and well he did reference some of the things that I talked about like the get uh China getting it back from the British in 1997 and whatnot but he didn't seem to recognize the fact that it was supposed to be a deal that the British gave Hong Kong back to China And they kept up their end of the bargain by saying, okay, 50 years, we're going to leave Hong Kong alone. Hong Kong is going to be able to enjoy the same freedoms and rights that it had as a British colony. We're going to leave Hong Kong alone until 2049. That was the deal. And of course, China's not keeping up that end of the bargain. So are we punishing China? Are we doing anything to China to stop what they're doing by um, going against the resolution? Are we? No. We're punishing Hong Kong instead. So it's just like, you guys might not think that's big of a deal. You might be like, okay, AK, who cares? It's Hong Kong, China, same difference, whatever. But as a history teacher, as a history political science person, this is just devastating. Like it really is. Especially, you know, when I taught my my students about the opium wars and colonization in China, you know, and they're just like, oh, that's so cool that, you know, they finally gave Hong Kong back to them. And they're doing okay. They're able to keep their own stuff. And this, this, and this, this. That's so cool that that happened. Well, I mean, now it's like, I, I, and the thing with that is, I'm not going to put a whole bunch of history on you, but there are different regions in China also. So you've got, there's two SAR regions, special administrative regions, which is Hong Kong and Macau. Macau was taken by Portugal. And that was like in the mid 1500s. And they gave it back in like 1999. So from what I remember, that was the first um, uh, colony in China and then also the last colony in China when they gave it back in 1999. So those are the two regions. And again, that's because two countries had control over those ports. So with Macau, they had the same type of thing as Hong Kong, different government, different currency. They spoke Portuguese for obvious reasons. I, I think they might speak, um, 
I don't know if they speak Cantonese as well. I don't know, but it's different. It's, it's the same concept. It's different. So it's like, what's going to happen with them? And then also you have Tibet. I don't know if you guys know about Tibet. Tibet is, is actually part of China. That's a whole other situation right there. So what happens with Tibet? What happens with Taiwan? Taiwan is a little different because if you know anything about Chinese history, Taiwan is a result of the communist revolution. The uh, Republic of China, that's who the people in Taiwan are. They were the ones that ran the the country, ran mainland, mainland China. During the communist revolution, they got ousted and they were basically exiled to Taiwan. So the people in Taiwan are actually Chinese. Taiwanese, oh, it's, it's literally Chinese, but they're just the people who were ousted. And in 1949, the communist party took over China. So they no longer had a safe haven in mainland China, so they left. So it's supposed to be, you know, one ch- the one China policy is you only acknowledge China for political purposes and whatnot. When you, when you say Taiwan, you mean China. They don't accept Taiwan as itself. It's not an independent country. They consider it basically as like a, a country in rebellion or something, kind of like how Lincoln felt about the Confederate states. He didn't acknowledge them. They're just the states in rebellion. So that's kind of how they feel about Taiwan. So Taiwan doesn't enjoy that kind of um, power, but they're pretty much left alone. As long as Taiwan does not try to declare independence or wrestle China's feathers, ruffle, wrestle, ruffle China's feathers, they're okay. So it's like with the whole thing with Hong Kong, what does this mean for the other regions, the other parts of China that have experienced some sort of level of autonomy, whether it be semi or, or whatever, what happens? It's like a, the domino effect, you know, like if this happens with Hong Kong and not only that, but this is happening with Hong Kong and China, what about the rest of the world that have these kind of issues where they have, you know, colonies that they had, they signed treaties, gave them back or whatever the issue is, whatever the agreement is, because basically I feel like with the United States doing this, they're kind of like invalidating the agreement that the British had with the Chinese. And this is what Beijing wants. Beijing wants Hong Kong. They want to incorporate them back into themselves. So by the U.S. saying literally, we're not going to treat you as separate from China. We're taking all that power away. We're taking everything away that we had separate from you. You are no longer special to us. You are now lumped in with China. So China's like, well, yeah, man, that's what we wanted. Thanks. Thanks, bro. You know, thanks, United States. <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of like, what, what, what do they do now? And what do, what do we do? And especially there's a lot of business going on in Hong Kong. So what does that mean for the business world? You know, there's plenty of Americans that live there, you know, do business and whatnot. What does that mean for all of this stuff? If Hong Kong is losing its status in the United States, that means it's going to lose its status around the world as viewed as an independent entity from China. So, I mean, I, it's, it's a disaster. I mean, it was a disaster before when, when uh, Beijing first started trying to, you know, take power back from China or take power back from Hong Kong. It's like, you guys haven't controlled this region since like the late 1800s. What are you trying to do? (laughs) I don't know if they're like jealous because Hong Kong is so successful because I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they feel like if they, well, I guess if it's a communist government, if they take Hong Kong, they take the power and control and the money. But then the issue comes with if you're taking Hong Kong back, Hong Kong loses everything. All the stuff they enjoyed as a separate entity, they lose it. So China isn't winning anything except getting the, the region back, getting the city back. That's all they're getting. 
because everything is going to be done because people don't want to do business like that with mainland China because of the government and the economy. Hong Kong is a democracy. They have a free, their people are free. They do their own thing. So if you take that away, it's like, well, I'm out. I only did business with Hong Kong because they're democracy and they have the control to do X, Y, and Z. I'm out, I'm out, bro. Like, sorry, I'm not going to do business with you anymore because you're not part of, you know, your own. So I'm really um, kind of upset about that. No, I'm not kind of, I am upset about that. I think it's complete BS. Like it, it really, really is. So I don't, I'm so bothered by it. And the thing also is where are the people... Now, I know Trump and most of his people in his administration have no, no clue about politics. They've all been like businessmen, CEO of random companies, nothing to do with politics. Where are the people who are in politics? But the thing also is, as my mom explained to me earlier, people don't want to cross Trump. Because if they cross Trump, they basically screwed themselves. Like they're screwed if they, if they try to cross him. But it's like, come on, guys, something like this. Where are the politicians at to say, hey, bro, like President Trump. This is not what it's supposed to be, you know, and it could be that people like that they were there, they're fired now or whatever the issue was. But I'm like, somebody had to have spoken up about this foolishness, right? I mean, I I hope so. I mean, I'm not a politician, but I'm, you know, in the political science and history and government enough to know that I know what this is about, that this is about Beijing getting power and control that they are not entitled to. They're not entitled to anything until 2049. Hong Kong is supposed to be left all the way alone. So I just, I don't know. I'm just really bothered by this. And my thoughts are with the people of Hong Kong because this is very, this is an uncertain future for them. And they're probably scared. I would be scared too. The way of life that, you know, our people have known for over a hundred years, you know, is now being threatened. It's going to be taken away. You know, we're no longer going to enjoy the freedoms that we have from mainland China because we're no longer viewed as separate or special. And again, I don't know what that means for Macau, the other one, the other special administrative region. So I'm like, if the United States is going to do that, and if it's really, if it's really based on what Beijing has been doing to Hong Kong, if that's really how the government feels, the U S government feels and China understands that China's going to do the same thing with Macau. They're going to do the same thing with every other territory that they control. Okay, well, this is what made the United States kind of leery about it, that we tried to infiltrate and take over Hong Kong, and now they're punishing Hong Kong. So let's do that with Macau. Let's do that with Tibet. Let's do that with Taiwan. So I just... And the thing is, like, Trump as a businessman, really Trump, like, I'm pretty sure he's probably done business in Hong Kong. So it's like you as a personal billionaire businessman, you even understand this. So it's like, I don't understand, is the administration really that like clueless or is it that they just don't care? I mean, is it, I don't understand why this is happening. Like somebody please explain this to me. I don't understand why this is happening in the first place. And then also I was kind of watching a little bit of the speech and apparently the United States is going to pull out of the World Health Organization. What? What? Are you kidding me right now? And I'm like, okay, who makes these decisions? The way that our government is set up, I'm actually in a class right now that's talking about um, uh, constitutional government and early government, all that kind of stuff. So the way our government is, government is set up, the separation of powers and the checks of balances for this reason. The president does not have the ultimate say in the government. So if the president himself is saying this is what's going to happen, 
where are the people who are speaking out against that Congress, if he actually tries to declare this on paper, Congress has the ability to override him. So is really Congress, all 435 members of Congress, really okay with him doing this, taking the United States completely out of the World Health Organization and completely taking away the status of Hong Kong? Like, you can't, you can't tell me all 435 people are okay with this. This is not, it's not right. So where, where is it? Like, this is not King Trump. Where is this? Where is it at? Like him talking about he had the authority to override governors and make them open churches. Where, bro? Where is that in the Constitution that you have the ability to override the governors of states and tell them what to do? Where is that at in the Constitution? That's why the 10th Amendment exists for that reason. So the federal government cannot do that. You cannot override governors telling them to do X, Y, and Z. If the governors don't want their churches open, they're not going to be open. So I just, it's really frustrating because all this stuff that's happening shouldn't be happening, you know, but it's like, where are the people? And it's, it's embarrassing too. You know, I know that there are people who understand politics, who understand history, who understand all of this stuff that should be speaking out. Where are you at? Where are you at? I've made a point, if you've noticed, not to curse on this podcast, but I'm really biting my tongue right now, guys, because I feel like, you know, you can get your point across without cursing, but it's just, I'm just so like heated over this. Where are the people? And it's like, if we can't even rely on our representatives to speak out against something that is wrong, so that's totally wrong. It might be international, but it's still wrong. And it does affect the American economy, government, X, Y, and Z, if we can't count on them for that, what can we count on them for? The United States has basically built itself up as the leader of the free world, the the country that sets the example that other people in the world look to. That's our reputation. That's our, what we, that's what we do as the United States. We set the example. So if we're setting examples like this, like this is a disaster. If we're setting this kind of example, other countries are like, well, I mean, the U.S. did that. We can do that, too. They did that. I mean, that's kind of what the, that's the precedent. The U.S. did it. Now, there are some people who, who aren't stupid enough to believe this, that they know that, OK, this is because of the Trump administration. They have no idea what they're doing. You know, we don't think that Americans are really for this. So some people might not. But the shady ones would. The shady ones would be like, OK, well, you know, the United States did it. So I guess it's cool for me to do it, too. You know, screw you. So I just don't understand what what is happening, what, what we're supposed to do. I mean, I know I personally cannot do anything. I'm only one person. You know, I would love to make some phone calls, but look, look, this is so dumb. Can you please, can I, can I read you? Can I read you the declaration? Can I give you a history lesson on the opium wars? The first and the second, can I tell you what you need to know? Tell you that this is not fair to the people of Hong Kong. Like they are supposed to enjoy their freedom from the Chinese government. It was supposed to be for 50 years. For 50 years, they were supposed to be able to be how they were when the British ruled them just without the British ruling them. They ruled themselves. They control themselves, their own government, currency, economy, etc. So now it's like, okay, well, if this is allowed to happen, what does that mean for everybody else, for everything else in China and around the world? If the United States can basically <laughs> ignore ignore a hundred plus years history of this and the treaty the the responsibility that Beijing has to respect 
the autonomy of Hong Kong. I don't, I, I just, I don't understand. I really don't like, this is just, it's just ridiculous, man. Like I just, and the whole thing about the election coming up, you know, I'm pretty sure along with most people, sorry, I have a cold, the weather changing here. Um, I have a feeling that, you know, along with most people that Trump is going to win. I want to say hands down, but he's going to win. But the thing is, if we have anybody else in office, they would be a politician and they would know that this crap is messed up and they would do everything in their power to fix it. Joe Biden has been in politics since like the 19, how old is he? Like 80? Like, so like the 1960s or so he's been in politics for that long. So he understands the treaties, the international uh, foreign relations. He understands all of that. He knows that this is crap. So if Joe Biden were to get elected, which won't happen, but if he were miraculously to get elected, he would be able to go through and fix all this crap that is being messed up right now. If he were to be elected, I would like to think his first role as president would be to go in and fix all this international foreign relationship foolishness that Trump has done, starting with the Hong Kong thing, because I'm not sure when that's going to take effect. So, I, I mean, I don't think it can, it can be immediately, right? I mean, you have stuff you need to do to, I mean, I don't, I don't know. But I would just like to think that anybody else, and if Trump does win another term, that's four more years. So it's like, whoever becomes president after that, I hope they're a politician. Or at least someone that knows about history and, you know, international relations. But would they really, be, could you be able to undo all this stuff though? You know, like the, the whole WHO thing, you know, that's kind of like, oh yeah, we shouldn't do that. But I'm, I'm actually more upset about this Hong Kong thing, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. I'm more upset about this because this is something specific that was specific for Be- all Beijing had to do. All they had to do was leave Hong Kong alone for 50 freaking years. That's it. Just leave them alone. And so they don't leave them alone. Instead of the United States trying to back Hong Kong and protect them from the Chinese government, Oh no, sorry, bro. You, you can't be a special reason to us. You don't have that privilege. We're going to strip you away from it because it's not safe. You don't enjoy that autonomy from Beijing anymore. They're taking you over. Really? This is the complete opposite wrong thing to do. We should be backing Hong Kong. We should be protecting them from Beijing. And so I feel like, how can you blame China for the coronavirus, for the WHO protecting them and all this kind of stuff, which may or may not be true, but you're not going to protect somebody from China. You're not going to, you want to get out of the WHO because it's China friendly or, you know, backs China, whatever, but you're not going to protect somebody from China. You have the ability to protect Hong Kong from China. You could slap sanctions on it. Whatever you got to do. United States can do anything. They can do whatever they want to China. But of course, part of it is because Trump has such a good relationship with president G, he doesn't want to screw that up. And I feel like, him doing the whole WHO stunt, of course, is going to upset Beijing because why wouldn't it? But I think a consolation would be, well, if the U.S. pulls out of WHO, but they let us take Hong Kong back, we're even. It's all good. That's all we want. You know, we just want them. So I just, I don't know. Wow, it's been 31 minutes. I knew I was, I was going to be able to stop and start and all that. I had to talk straight because I'm just so heated. I just watched this little speech thing. And of course, he didn't take questions because the reporters probably would have asked um, President Trump. So are you going to ignore the the resolution that was 
signed that gave Hong Kong semi-autonomy and protection from China for 50 years? I, I really thought that was an article from The Onion when I first read it. I was like, oh, this can't be true. A lot of stuff that's actually happened in this administration, I'm like, oh, this can't be true. But when I read it, I, I think it came up on, as like trending news somewhere. I'm like, oh, I'm reading, I'm like, oh, this doesn't make sense. That can't be true. It hasn't been 50 years yet. And then I'm clicking, clicking, clicking. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I'm watching the interviews. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? This is really happening? So I just, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, there's nothing I can do personally. I'm only one person, but I just, I don't know what to do. This is just really, really upsetting to me. As you could tell. I'm not trying to do dramatic pauses or silence. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just trying to process what I just read and what I saw. But one criticism of the, uh, the speech that I was seeing, you know, once I changed the channel, before I changed the channel, they were talking about how the president did not acknowledge the, um, the George Floyd situation. And I'm thinking, did you really think he would? He doesn't want to ruffle any feathers on either side. Why would he, why would he acknowledge that? And if he were to acknowledge the situation, he'd probably say something about, I still support the police. The police didn't do anything wrong. He would say some kind of crap like that. He wouldn't acknowledge what was, what happened. Wrong is wrong. No matter who does it. If it was a reverse situation, it still would have been wrong. Now I can't bring myself to watch the video. I will probably, I can't watch that video. Just like, um, Ahmaud Arbery getting shot. I can't, I can't do that. I cannot force myself to do that. But this video I'm assuming would be a whole lot worse because it was from what I like the pictures of it. I saw it was up close and apparently people were screaming in the background. I can't do that. I just read it was trending that he, um, the cop was, uh, arrested and, um, charged with murder. So the thing would be, is it first degree or second degree? I would say first degree because first degree, first degree murder is you are intentionally doing it. Second degree would mean, okay, you did something that happened to cause their murder. You can't tell me putting somebody's knee in their neck, holding them to the ground is second degree murder. Oh, I didn't know they would die. Are you freaking kidding me right now? Cutting out somebody's airflow. That's not going to kill them. So I'm not really sure about the murder charges. Now let's face it. It's no, I can't say this. I can't say it's never going to happen because here's the thing with these situations that I have been realizing. The way our country is set up, you can disagree or not. I don't really care at this point. The country has been set up based on racism. Was that the founding purpose for the country? Of course it wasn't. But did it happen? Yes. Racism is ingrained into this country and you can't tell me otherwise. And don't give me that BS. Oh, the Africans sold themselves to each other. (laughs) That doesn't make it right. And most African weren't chattel slaves to each other. So you can't tell me racism is not one of the founding principles, quote unquote, of this country. You go to another continent, bring people over and make them work for you. You view them as subhuman, less than human because they don't speak your language, don't have your culture, don't wear the same clothes as you. They're savages, just like the Native Americans, just like anybody who was not of European descent. That's how this country has been founded. So I think it was Obama said something about racism being in our DNA and people were upset about it. But is he really wrong? Is he really wrong? Like, look, and even look at the South. Like, is he really wrong? No offense to anybody from the South. My family's from the South. No offense. I'm just saying like the history of the South. Let's just say that the history. So that's how I, how I've always felt about it. 
So, and the thing is, as you've noticed in recent years, whenever a police shooting happens and it's a white cop shooting a black man, something always has to happen. Oh, well, he resisted arrest. Oh, well, he didn't comply. Oh, well, he had, he had a, a cell phone that looked like a gun in his pocket. I thought he was reaching for a gun. So all of these excuses, they justify this man being shot 25 times or whatever the, the situation is. And it's like, oh, just comply. What about the black men who are complying that are still shot and killed? What about that? And one thing that always really upsets me about this thing is whenever something happens, you have to, not you personally, but the media, the people have to dig up some dirt on these people. Like when uh, Botham Jean, the man who was shot and killed in his own apartment by that white cop, you know what they did? They slandered him by saying, oh, there was a small amount of marijuana found in his, par- his apartment. What in the F does that have to do with anything? Marijuana has nothing to do with why he was killed. So first of all, why are you even searching his apartment in the first place? His apartment should have never been searched. That wasn't the problem. The problem was he was sitting there and got killed and died in his own freaking apartment. So just stuff like that, like apparently in Indianapolis, there was, um, there's been some police shootings and my mom was telling me about it, that one of the men who, who got shot and killed by the police before the media could do their thing, uh, the people started posting pictures of his military uniform, you know, his service record, all that kind of stuff before the media could slander him. So they start posting all this military stuff. You know, he's a, he was a soldier, you know, he, this is this upstanding citizen. You know, if there was a mugshot or whatever, or him holding a gun in a picture or a Facebook picture or whatever, they, they got ahead of the media because whenever this happens to a black man, something has to happen. Oh, well, he couldn't have just been shot because of that. Oh, well, yeah, he had marijuana in his apartment. Oh, we had a marijuana charge 30 years ago. Oh yeah, that explains it. Really? But one thing that I have noticed is that this is back to the whole racism thing. So as a society, we don't believe black people. Just straight, straight up. We do not believe black people. Nobody cares about black people. And don't tell me that I'm wrong because you know I'm not. Think about it. Like the instance of that woman who apparently called the cops on this black man who told her or who asked her to put her dog on a leash. And she called him saying something about, I'm going to tell him an African-American man is threatening me and my dog. Are you freaking kidding me? If, if we believe black people, why would she do that? Exactly. But anyway, so the point is, as a society, we do not believe black people. Racism doesn't happen. Black people aren't killed by the police. Black people aren't unjustly detained. It just, it just doesn't happen. But one thing that I have noticed is that when white people are outraged, people believe them. We as a society believe white people. That's just how it is. It is what it is. That's how it is. It's how it will always be. Going back to the history of this country. I don't care that in 20 years, white people are going to be the minority. White people will always run this country. It's never going to change. Just like South Africa, you have the major- the minority was a bunch of a group of white people. How in the heck do you take over a country that the population is more black than you? It's it's black people. It's a small group of white people controlling black people. Like how how in the heck do you have apartheid? How are you going to segregate black people in their own freaking country? Go back to the Netherlands where you came from. Sorry, the the people are Dutch. If you didn't know, the South Af- the white South Africans are Dutch. So. Back to that. So when white people are upset about it, stuff gets done. The reason why those men were arrested for um, shooting that jogger 
is because white people were upset about it. Because black people have been talking about it for how many months it happened. But when white people start speaking out against stuff, then it's important. White people are pissed off at the, the murder, let's say murder of George Floyd. They're upset about that. So what's happening? The people are getting arrested. Now, the thing is, usually when this happens, they kind of arrest the police officers just to kind of like as a publicity stunt, just to save face. Just, oh, you know, let's calm these little black people down. Let's arrest them. You know, they're going to get off. But the thing with that is, I'm pretty sure that this time it's not going to happen. If white people are upset about this situation, he could have an all white jury. And he'd probably still get convicted because white people are upset. When white people see this with their own eyes, they're like, holy crap, that really does happen. And I mean, as far as I've read, I have not seen anybody justifying the murder of this man. I have seen nothing about it. So when white people are upset, then we care. So white people, please continue to be upset. <laughs> you have to continue to be upset about this because then stuff will stop. Because if stuff happens to somebody we don't care about, it's never going to stop. Oh, we don't care if the cops shoot black people. Like one thing I thought was funny with the whole, the whole video of the, the white woman and the black man and the dog, I was reading comments and people were upset about the dog being choked. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? She's trying to get this black man killed because she knows what cops will do if they show up and it's a black man and people are like, oh, well, the dog got choked. Are you freaking kidding me? The dog got choked. So, and there's a, there's a, a meme going around about how when white people see dogs get abused, then they care. <laughs> but I'm just like, come on guys. Like this is just freaking ridiculous. But the, the racism in our country, it will never go away because when something's a foundation, it does not go away. I don't think it was intentional. I really don't think the whole racism thing was intentional. I don't think it was at all. I'm, I'm not going to say it was. I really don't think it was. But I think it just happened because when you look at cultures that are different from yours, you think they are inferior. Regardless of who you are, if you are an American right now and you go to a country like uh, Sri Lanka, different culture, different clothes or whatever, you're going to look at them as inferior. Don't lie and say, oh, I view everybody equally. No, you don't. You're going to have some type of bias towards them because they're different from you. And I think it's worse as an American, as somebody from like a Western country. I think it's worse. Like for, for some reason, everybody in America generally thinks that you know, everybody else is a poor third world country and we're rich. We're number one. Like when I was a teacher, I was telling my kids about um, different countries and they're like, oh, Egypt, they have running water and television. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And they're like, well, yeah, they do. I, di I didn't. <laughs> and I'm like, Egypt's one of the richest countries in that region. That's why people speak the uh, Arabic that they speak, the Egyptian dialect, because they have so much influence. But it's what we're shown on TV. We're shown that other countries in the world don't have running water and electricity. So it's like we have that superiority view of ourselves as Americans. But in that instance, it was a matter of the, the racial aspect of it. Because again, if the, if the people had been white, I think they would have felt the same way, but they wouldn't have felt that bad about it. Or maybe they would have felt worse about it. like if the if the Africans were white people that were savages and, you know, not wearing the same clothes or speaking the same language, they would have felt more of a connection because they were white, at least, you know, they can whip them in the shape, you know, make them European or whatever. But because they weren't, 
and it's like they they view these people as savages like what does a savage mean? what does it even mean what does that mean the uncivilized savage like what are you kidding what does that mean so because they viewed them that way that's how everything started you know and Native American same thing that's that's just crazy but when people are different from you you view them as inferior and it's just I mean it's not necessarily a bad thing it's a bias that everybody has and we should all acknowledge it so racial economic social any type of bias that exists we have it and in America and the United States a big one is the racial bias. I mean, it's, it, I mean, and that's kind of why we don't believe black people because we already have a preconceived notion about black people. Black people are liars. They're ghetto. They steal. They have their baby mamas. They can't tell the truth. They're in jail. They always do something wrong. So why would we believe them? Now, granted, white people do the same exact stuff, but do we believe white people? Of course we do. And why is that? Because they're white. I was talking to one of my friends about the whole white privilege thing, and he was upset about it. And he's like, well, I'm a white man, and I never got anything because I was white. I grew up poor, and I stopped a stop. Do you know about the Jim Crow laws? Do you know about Reconstruction? Do you know about the Civil Rights Act? He's like, yeah. And I said, so from 1877 to 1964, that was at least white privilege for you. Not for him personally, but for, for white people. And I said, so you can't tell me that during that time frame, there was no white privilege. As a white man, would you be able to go into a restaurant and sit and eat wherever you want? Use whatever bathroom you wanted? Go to whatever movie theater you want? Stay whatever hotel you want? Do anything you wanted? Were you, were you restricted by law? He's like, well, well, that was different. How, how was that different? Well, that doesn't exist anymore. And I said, so you think that over 200 years of racial oppression just disappeared overnight because somebody signed something in the law? And so, of course, then he thinks about like, well, I mean, I, I personally didn't experience it. I, okay, okay, bro. Like, just, just stop. Just, you know, but it's just stuff like that. So it's, it, people have this negative perception of blacks minorities or even like the other way around you have well the way I feel about racism is I look at racism as a an institution hold on oh it says I have 60 minutes as a as a time okay I'm recording on the app on the app so racism is it's so yeah it's about feeling superior or whatever but it's really about power as well so when people say black people can't be racist I agree if you are a minority, you can't control the majority. So as a black person, you can hate the crap out of white people. You could be like black power, you know, kill whitey, whatever. But what power do you have to affect a white person's life? You hating white people, what does that do to them? Absolutely nothing. Now, if you're a white person and you, you know, white power, whatever, I hate black people. What can you do? Everything. You can make their life miserable. They don't go to school. They can't go eat at your restaurant. They can't do X, Y, and Z. You have the power to actually do something about hating black people or other minorities. They don't have that power. So the way I feel about racism is I feel like it's prejudice because racism is about power. If you don't have power, you can't be racist. 
And again, I've had situations, you know, black and white people, you know, Hispanic, other minorities. And some people feel the same way. Some people don't. And they're like, well, I understand, you know, you can, you can be white and be racist, be black and be racist. I'm like, well, how the, oh, well, you know, if you're, if you're white and you hate black, you think white people are better. Or if you're black and you hate white people, think black people are better. I said, okay, so what does that do? Because hurting somebody's feelings by calling them a nigger or a cracker, which is a whole stupid, that's a whole other situation. How does that have to, how is that racist? Like, what is that? How does that affect somebody's life to call them a nigger or a cracker? Like, how, how is that? Oh, no, my feelings are hurt. You know, like, I don't understand what that has. How does that affect somebody's life? And they're like, well, they they just they're just scared. Like, I, I don't know. I just sorry if I offended people by saying nigger and cracker. I mean, cracker is a whole other term. Cracker, I feel like from what I read that there was no there's no like origin of it. Some people say something about um, in England, there were gestures that made people laugh or something. Or some people say the, the cracking of the whip, like the, the white slave masters or whatever. I personally feel like it was just a term that white people wanted to create to be offended at something. Because <laughs> black people can't be offended. We need to be offended at something, at something too. And a couple of the white people that I know were like, well, I'm offended when people call me cracker. Why? Well, cause that's a racial term. What does it mean? I don't know, but it's still racist. How, 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 how does, I said, is cracker bleeped out on TV or is nigger bleeped out on TV? Well, it's still the same. Okay. Well, why are we saying the N word and not nigger? And why are we saying cracker and not the C word? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's okay. Just stop. Just let, let black people be oppressed. Let them be offended by something like we're sorry. You can't be offended by this. Like it's crazy. So I don't know. I just feel like this whole situation is just a disaster and the president making a comment on it. I'm glad he didn't because if, like I said, if he did crap would have hit the fan from either side because he probably would have said something about praising the police. And I feel like he probably would have said something about black people need to obey the police. I feel like that's where he would have went with that. And he knows that that's why he didn't say anything about it. He knows that. And he's smart not to comment on that. And I hope nobody asks him questions about that because if they, they might just set him up because if they ask him a question about that, he's going to be upset and he's going to, he's going to answer it honestly, truthfully, how he feels about it. So I just, I don't know, this whole, just these past few days, is just a disaster. But this whole China, Hong Kong thing is really, it's really got me, dude. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm just so bothered by this, by the, the murder. I'm just so bothered by all of this stuff. And it's like, why? And people said, we're saying that racism is getting worse. And I'm like, no, it's just being filmed and documented. It never, it's not, it's not getting worse. You just didn't have social media and, and cell phones back then to record this stuff. I'm like, no, it's not getting worse. It's just, we're hearing about it more because of social media. So it's like, until something is done about it, it's going to keep happening. So white people keep being upset because the more upset you get, the more the system will realize we can't keep doing this stuff and get away with it because now white people are mad about it. Like when the, uh, the two black guys were arrested in Starbucks in Philadelphia and the white people were like, I, I was sitting right there. I didn't order a coffee. They didn't tell me to leave. I was sitting right there. I, I can't believe this actually happened in front of my own eyes. Those gentlemen handled themselves really well. They don't want to die. So it's like when white people see stuff in front of their eyes, they believe it happens. And I, I even read to myself, people were like, some of the white people there were like, 
I don't really believe this stuff happens, but I saw it with my own eyes that they did nothing wrong. This isn't this. I saw it. I believe it happens now. So the more white people open their eyes to this stuff actually happening, the more I think that the chances of it continuing will be lessened because if, if white people are upset about these things and they act accordingly because white people are the ones that have power in society, they have the power to stop things. So for instance, this dude getting arrested for murdering this, uh, for murdering George Floyd, he is going to get convicted. I'm like, I want to be too confident. Let's say 80% sure, 80% sure he's going to be convicted of something, whether it be murder, manslaughter, negligent homicide, whatever. He's going to be convicted of something because white people are upset. Nobody cares about what black people think, but white people are upset about this. Again, I have not seen any, and this is trending on social media. I have not seen anything about any white person saying he deserved it or he should have complied. Nowhere have I seen that. White people are upset about this. So because white people are upset about it, something's going to happen. And the police and other entities that are doing stuff like this are going to realize we can't keep doing this and getting away with it because now white people are upset. And once they're upset, you know, we, we care that they're upset. So I, I don't know. I just feel... It's been a crazy few days. Like, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But this, this whole Hong Kong thing, the George Floyd thing, I mean, I just, the Joe Biden thing, I mean, it's just, it's just a freaking disaster. I mean, I know I'm running for school board, but I mean, my mom told me, she's like, I want to see you be a part of the town council. And I was like, uh, you know where I live, right? (laughs) The area I live in is, it's a large percentage white. It's, it's a white area, white, white. Not like white, white, the last like 20 years or so we've had immigration and trust me, they're upset about that. But our town council, nobody in politics is black. Nobody in my town, county, none of it. Nobody is black. That's how bad it is. They're all old white men or maybe young white men, maybe a couple of women sprinkled in there too, but nobody's black. So it'd be cool to, you know, be on the, the town council, but I mean, the odds of doing that are slim to none, but I would totally want to be a part of that. I really would. But I'm like, just take it one step at a time. Let me be on the school board and just work my way up. I do have support of different groups in the county, which is awesome. Because if I were to run for the town council, they probably would, you know, back me financially, you know, help me around, help me out or whatever, which is great to have these relationships with people in the county and in my, my district, my town. I'm excited about it. So, I mean, I, I could, you know, eventually do that. And I totally keep you guys updated if I decide to, to run for, um, town council I would definitely let you guys know so that'd be awesome speaking of elections so I was going to I told you guys you're in if you were in um, Hendricks County I told to go to a radiant bible church well my location got changed so if you're in Hendricks County go to our shepherd Lutheran church that's where I'm going to be at for the election day I got a call the other day and the chair the chairwoman was like I didn't think you'd mind but of course I wouldn't mind I'm excited to do it it's only like a five minute drive difference. So if you, if you're in Hendricks County and you want to come see me and meet me, yay, AK, <laughs> I will be there uh, at our Shepherd Lutheran church from 6am to 6pm. That's the, the time window. So it'd be awesome to meet people who are listening. Even if you're, if you're from Indiana, I don't know if I have anybody from Indiana listening. I'm not really sure or not. It'd be cool if I did. Um, but yeah, if you are, you can be like, Hey, are you AK? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I am. <laughs> Who are you? You know, it'd be awesome to meet people that listen to me. But, but yeah, so this whole, whole situation, it's just, it's a complete disaster. 
And I'm really proud of myself for not cursing <laughs> during this entire podcast. I was so heated that I really thought about making myself wait to record it. But I'm like, no, I'm going to do it right now. And I can probably control myself. So yeah, I would have said all kinds of F-bombs and all kinds of stuff. So I'm patting myself on the back. AK was able to maintain her composure. <laughs> okay, so it's been almost an hour. So Anchor's about to cut me off. And I was going to try to do the whole stop and start for 15 minutes at a time. But I had to talk for straight. And it's been almost an hour. So if you listen to this whole thing, I appreciate you for listening. Thank you for listening. And I would love feedback. Again, Twitter, AK17033. And I will talk to you next time.